This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one's set for midday, Tuesday, February the 8th, 2022. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BOL, joined by site publisher Tim Watts, fresh from the late national signing date. We'll get into some of that with Tim. We're actually going to do something a little bit different on this edition of T. Watts and TR. We're going to have 10 questions for Tim Watts for you today on the program. We'll also get into the Bama online roundtable mailbag. Always appreciate the comments and questions from our subscribers there at BOL who helped make that possible as well. First though, Tim, how are you doing on this Tuesday morning? I'm good. I hate this weather. It's so cold at night, warm in the afternoon, kind of a tease and cold again at night. Yeah, it doesn't feel like baseball. You know, you got all this college baseball, college softball cranking up. Doesn't feel about right right now, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, the weather, I mean, you know, what started, I guess, what was that, like 76 one one Saturday or Sunday, and the next day was like 38 high? Yeah. Um, but we just went back and forth. It's just, this is my worst time of the year, so. But we're right around the corner from the favorite time of the year, so we're good. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there for sure, and so. Again, what we're going to do today with Tim, we got a gauntlet of questions for you, Tim. Are you ready? You ready to run the gauntlet? I think I am. All right. Well, let's get into the the topic here that probably most timely, a couple of them that we're going to hit on in terms of timeliness, but haven't talked to you since Alabama put a wrap on this 2022 recruiting cycle. Danny Lewis, the lone signee last Wednesday for the Crimson Tide, the tight end from New Iberia, Louisiana. Give us a little more background on how this came to be with Danny Lewis for the Alabama staff and you know how you see him fitting in with this group. You know, he said it would be a little anticlimactic after the early signing period because Alabama was down to a few spots. There really wasn't a lot of guys out there. I mean, they looked at a couple guys, Jalen Farmer, offensive lineman who was committed to Florida, Danny Lewis. I think they really only wanted to take one of those guys. In fact, I know they only wanted to take one and save one more spot for the portal, possibly. And, you know, because May's still going to open up some guys after spring to leave and, you know, who have their academics in better order. So I think that was a that was a big part. But Danny, you know, when you get to that point, you know, it's it's you know, this is a guy committed to a smaller, you know, lesser, you know, not a power five school. And then all of a sudden he's got LSU, Florida, Alabama fighting over him. I like him. Now, he's not going to be sexy to me. He's similar to like. You know how much I like Robbie Oots. Robbie mm-hmm. Oots is really sexy. He's that blocking tight end. You saw him at fullback, athletic guy. Mean. I think Lewis fits that role position for Alabama because he's an inline tight end 
big guy, big, you know, 245 pounds, uh, going to serve almost as that sixth offensive lineman when he gets stronger uh, in the running game. But also he's got hands. This guy's got hands. The one thing I talked about, everybody I talked to talked about the fact that this is an athlete. He's not fast. If you watch him, he doesn't have top end speed or, you know, none of that. It's not that free type athlete, but he's got terrific hands. Nice catch radius. Also throw the pitcher off. You know, they were telling me he's throwing 90 off the mound. And he was running point guard for his basketball team. So kind of that jumbo athlete that, you know, that, you know, that you need. And Alabama is going to have that guy. You know, they got the possibilities with Elijah Brown. They got the two coming back. And with Nye Black, who's, you know, tremendous prospect and athlete, they're going to have those receiving type tight ends. So they needed another blocking guy. They could come in and help out, especially after Robbie went down last year. Nice pickup to cap that 2022 cycle for Alabama. And much of the talk, even on Wednesday of last week, involved this historic class. I guess we say that every year now with recruiting classes, it seems like. Uh, you know, Alabama here recently with a historic class, uh, Texas A&M being talked about in terms of classes for all time with this 2022 talk, uh, haul for Jimbo Fisher. Uh, is this a case now, though, where everyone's chasing A&M? Was this a one-off for Texas A&M? Obviously, A&M's going to be right there in the mix. It's hard not to be when you have the resources, you have the talent base, those type of things working in favor for Jimbo Fisher and also Steve Sarkeesian uh, at Texas, but uh, help us put our heads around this this A and M class and what it means moving forward, Tim. I mean, obviously, it's a lot of talent. I mean, it's you know it's one of the best classes I've ever seen on paper. Uh, got a lot of the big name guys um, that you were looking at. A lot of the you know the guys coming down the stretch, but you know it's I don't see any way that Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State's chasing anybody. I mean, those guys have been putting together pretty elite classes for you know, four or five, six years in a row. I mean, that's the cycle you're looking for. Um, obviously, getting that talent helps any any team. It, you know, it's an infusion of talent for Texas A&M. Texas A&M's always recruited well. They're always right around the top five when it's come to recruiting. They did that. Uh, you know, I don't know all their recruiting rankings, but I know the last few have been, you know, Jimbo, who's always been a good recruiter. They've always recruited well. Obviously, this uh, this class was just, you know, at another level with guys. And I will tell you this about the Aggies class. They got a lot of guys. There's a lot of ego. There's a lot of attitude. Alphas. Yeah. Alphas. A, yeah. yeah. One way to put it, you know, that's, there's, a <laughs> lot, there's a lot to deal with in that locker room now. And, you know, we've seen teams that go, you know, we saw it with Clemson, you know, Clemson was always, you know, four or five stars, you know, they'd have, you know, some big name guys on each side of the ball and then they'd have some three stars and sort of the blend mixed together. When it got a little bit more of that higher rank guys, you saw, you remember Dabo never had a decommitment. Um, and then he started recruiting all the five stars and that was a little harder. You know, those, those guys that are coming with more maintenance and more, you know, more issues, you know, more, you know, more, more stars, you know, used to be more money, more problems. It's more, more stars, more problems now though. The higher those guys get, you know, it's 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 a handful to deal with. Also, a lot. Go also, ahead. I'm sorry. You play so many defensive linemen, so I mean, there's yeah. going to be there's going to be some pissed off guys probably not playing as much as they think they should, especially on that defensive line. So, but obviously, you want to be, you know, and Alabama's done a good job of that. Kirby Smart's done a very good job of it on defense of managing those egos, you know, with all that talent. So that's something Jimbo Fisher will have to do. Yeah, the old saying goes, you can never have enough defensive linemen, and I agree with that. 
but you can have too many that aren't getting enough snaps, right? I know yeah. you sell these guys on, look, we, we play more than one. You know, we need three or four at a time, but there's still going to be those guys that are getting 40 snaps, and there's going to be those guys getting maybe 10. And that's where the trick comes in if you're a coaching staff, a head coach, a defensive line coach, position coach, uh, basically cool. in general. I mean, it's, it's what you want. You want to have the have to balance that kind of talent. You know, that's your job. So I think it's something they probably are excited to have the opportunity to do. As far as the blowback and what we saw in the media last week in terms of NIL and its presence in the recruiting process, or according to Jimbo Fisher, its lack of presence, he said, with what A&M was able to accomplish. And, you know, Lane Kiffin, a big part of this in terms of social media circles, it looked like Nick Saban caught some scrapnel, even as a result of Jimbo's resulting comments that came from all of this how much of this is real in your opinion at this point or is it more of a not so much that it's real right now but it's certainly not too far off in the horizon in terms of nil as a part of what's being offered on the recruiting trail i mean i don't who who's surprised that this happened you know if what these accused of who's surprised that it was used as an excuse to pay somebody to get to come to their school. Who's surprised by that? It's the least surprising thing in the history of mankind if that happened. I definitely think it played a part in that class. How much of a part it played in the class, I don't know. I'm not sure why Jimbo Fisher, it almost came to the point of me thinks thou protest too much. I was going to ask you that. I'm so mad. Jimbo, whatever you did, it's nobody's watching. The NCAA's cat, you know, they checked out. None of this is matters. It's all there's been accusations since the start of time, and the only coach I've ever known to address it was Hugh Freeze. Hey, you guys, contact compliance if we got issues. Oh shit, we're in trouble. They did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't cut that down. Quit answering that phone. You know, I was just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Stop. <laughs> cut that line off. But I mean, with Jimbo, I see why he's mad. Um, you know, especially if they didn't do it, but I just think it's best left. You just leave it, you know, you leave it alone. You're not going to start the, you know, you can't stop rumors. I mean, we're seeing that with the Auburn situation now. You can't really stop a social media rumor or message board rumor, um, by, by coming out and addressing it. But, um, I think the NIL was always going to be sketchy about how it was used. You know, I always felt that it was going to be uh, as, as bait and, uh, you know, the carrot to get the kid on campus. I always felt that way. You know, Texas, you know, the Texas people came out and, you know, what was the deal with the offensive line? Every offensive lineman's getting 50 something. grand a year or something like that. Yeah. Saying, Hey, I'm giving you 50 to come and, or I'm giving you 50 when you get here. It's the same thing to that recruit. And they had a hell of an offensive line class too, by the way. So, I mean, we knew that this was going to happen. I think it's going to come down to the state's, you know, everybody being on the level playing field and then it's just going to be wide open. I mean, they're going to they're either going to have to regulate it or just say these 10 teams are always going to have a, a huge, huge advantage. But Jimbo being mad, I don't blame him for being mad. I mean, he's an old school coach. I was laughing so hard when I, <laughs> I was laughing so hard. It's like Jimbo is like putting on his glasses to look at his list of who he's pissed at. I loved it. Yeah. He had a, he and had a, he had a, to, he had a to-do list at that point. Yes. He had his, re- he like takes them off and he rips somebody and then he puts on his readers. I mean, I don't know why he brought, you know, Saban and Saban obviously didn't have anything to say about it. 
Lane Kiffin, anybody. It felt it. like Dean Wormer getting ready to address the guys in Animal House, you know, when he brought them in and he put those yeah. readers on. Remember that? We're old was, guys, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was a wild scene, but I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's the NIL. It's going to be wild. It's going to be the wild, wild west with it unless there's some kind of regulation. And then, hey, if you legally did it or you, or if you played in the gray area, that's kind of what all recruiting is anyway. So. Yeah. Who cares? It's a big deal that A&M got a lot of those players. Um, you know, I, you know, Alabama's fans over the years have got a lot of good players. Georgia's got a lot of good players. Ohio State and all that. Aggies have always got good players. Now, the defensive line class is kind of absurd. Reminds me of Bobby Bowden at FSU. who used to. But has remember- A&M gone to Tennessee and South Florida to get a lot of these guys in the past? I mean, yeah, you know, we know that the state of Texas is going to do what the state of Texas they- do. Right. But where some of these guys came from in this no, class, Tim, it seemed a little off the radar for A&M. The thing that's odd is a lot of the guys in the class kind of had that, you know, that malcontent reputation around them of moving around and, and all of that. That's what I said about the egos. They're going to have to deal with some stuff in that locker room. And maybe, you know, it's, you know, maybe it's easily done. And But in my experience, it's pretty hard, you know, to deal with that kind of stuff. So, I mean – it's talent on the field. I mean, that's basically it. That's yeah. what they wanted. That's what they got. They wanted to capitalize the first year on the NIL. Now, if they build on those classes, going back to that, obviously, uh, I mean, I think Texas A and M's dangerous almost any year. I know they lost four games this year. Very weird team. You know, um, you know, to diagnose losing to LSU, beating Alabama. But I mean, Jimbo Fisher's always got talent. He's all. I mean, he comes from the Saban tree. Anybody that comes from that tree. Kirby, Jimbo, whoever, Mar, they're gonna they're gonna focus on recruiting first and foremost. As far as coaching staff movement at Alabama is concerned, I wanted to get your thoughts on the biggest surprise to date. Obviously, we've seen Doug Marone move on from the offensive line. Eric Wolford has come in from Kentucky. You've had the defensive side with uh, Coleman Hutzler coming over from Ole Miss. He'll also in addition to coaching outside linebackers, handle special teams coordination, Joe Cox uh, offensively coming in from Charlotte, and then, of course, Traveris Robinson uh, in the secondary coming on from Miami, and uh, Sal Sanceri going off the field, and I guess is a part of that, at least to some extent, off campus anyway, off the recruiting trail of all these changes and this movement, Tim, was there one of these that maybe caught you as the biggest surprise of them all? There's really not. I mean, it's been a long time, you know, since, I mean, you know, I mean, I think Dan Ingo's capped me off as being surprised. <laughs> I think that's after that, there was like, yeah, nothing's really going to surprise me. You know, Lane Kiffin getting fired before the national championship, not game. Nothing really surprises me. Um, you know, usually when you know, usually there's staff movement regardless, but uh, you know, after a loss, after a year, or maybe they didn't, you know, win a championship. Uh, I think we definitely see some movement. Uh, the new coaches, it's going to be interesting. You know, you know, my understanding with Marone is just that he didn't love the recruiting game. Um, I've talked to some coaches that know him, that, that, that he liked this experience at Alabama, but apparently didn't love the recruiting game. Also, when you get to these old school coaches and they're having to deal and wiggle through the NIL, I imagine more yeah. – more hate it than like it. You know what I mean? So you get a guy, NFL guy, back in recruiting, and on top of that, he's dealing with the NIL. 
you know, the, the new coach, you know, Wolford, he's getting a lot. There's been a lot of high praise for him from other coaches that I know. I wasn't super familiar with him. Apparently he's a really good recruiter, relentless and a good, good position guy. So, um, that's that 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 would be a you know nice little flip there uh, you know emotional guy apparently he's a little bit of a wild guy so that energy you're looking for um joel you know the cox guy i don't know much about joe cox no he's a young guy i remember him at georgia um obviously robinson he you know he's been a big name he's been recruiting and people have known him for a long time so not surprised by any movement really um you know it's about you know about par for the course you know you know a few move you know Alabama loses and a few coaches come and go every year. One time transfer uh, waiver now is is probably tougher on some of these coaches that haven't been in college football for a while and then they come back and then you're trying maybe the same concepts and approaches to coaching a player. Uh, but 10, 12 years ago, you, you didn't have the possibility of a player quickly or as quickly pivoting to the transfer option as you did maybe like I said, 10 or 12 years ago with that transfer and the grad rule and all that stuff, everything coming together. Yeah. Very, very old school coach. I've known for a long time said, he said, we sure made it a lot easier for these kids to quit. Didn't we? That was his comment. And um, I think it's true. I think you see kids and uh, I'm not saying it. I mean, the to me, the transfer portal is great. I mean, you see situations like, Jamison Williams or Joe Burrow, although he was a grad transfer. I always confuse those two. But you see guys sort of stuck in a jam um, without a chance to play. Jalen was another one, although he was a grad. But you see those guys that need a chance to shine and step out. So it's a blood, You know, it's great in that regard. But at the same time, a lot of guys are cutting their careers short. I mean, I was talking to some people last couple of weeks. At some point, someone's going to do the math on the transfer portal, and we're going to come up with how many careers has it ended. How many education yeah. take away from kids? Because you can't have a thousand kids going in the portal and only people needing six hundred and thirty spots. People yeah. are not have a people are not going to have a place to go. They're going to end their career. They're not going to get their education. I mean, there's going to be a lot of bad come from it too. It's very similar to the NBA draft where you're watching people declare and you're like eighty seven Americans declare. And you're like, there's only sixty spots. So 20-something, and then you got the Euros and everything else. So you know, like, dude, all y'all aren't going first round. All y'all aren't getting drafted with the portal. Everyone going in the portal is not coming back out of that thing, in my opinion. Yeah, and there in football, there's just less spots in the sport in general because at least in basketball, right, you can go overseas. Um, you know, there are options outside of the United States. In football, yeah, right. Yeah, you're you, right. You're 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 right. It's it's the equivalent of retirement at the age of nineteen or twenty from the sport for too yeah. many so too might, many of these guys. Yeah, I mean we've seen. I mean, as Alabama fans, we've been fortunate to see some guys who were patient. We saw Brian Robinson, Mac Jones, and other guys reap the benefits of staying and waiting their turn. So, um, yeah, I mean it's I mean it's a tough decision. You know you know you know sports. You know heat of the moment. You were. Your, your kids play Little League sports. You've seen parents snatch a kid out of a dugout that they're in it. Yeah. I've seen dads go in the dugout, grab their grab their bag, and, and, and head out. Um, so, I've, so it doesn't really change when you get to college and high school, why you're not playing and all that stuff. So, 
I mean, the portal's been good to Alabama. They have a good hit record, you know, with the, you know, with the grad assist, you know, grad transfers and the portal. Obviously, this year with the guys they got, Ricks, uh, Gibbs, Burton, you know, all guys that they could use, all guys that bring a little extra, you know, chance to compete. I've said all along, if Alabama's looking in the portal, they're looking for a starter. The guy can't, you know, they're not looking for depth there. And um, they got it. I mean, they got three guys that can come in and help right away, three guys at openings that can compete. You know, Burton wants to come in. Very odd to see a guy transfer from Georgia to Alabama when he was, you know, basically, you know, he was their leading wide receiver Mm -hmm. uh, with receptions and all that kind of stuff. So pretty odd to see the dynamics of him flipping just like that. But, you know, not much more odd than Rick's doing it from LSU. So, yeah, I think Burton, he is looking to go from 26 catches to probably 76 or more. Yeah. In 2022. I think Brian Robinson had more receptions than him last year. Oh, geez. I think I, you're right. Yeah. I, and I think Latou was just a few behind him, or maybe it wasn't even Latou's. I think maybe it was. There was there was a lot of you know a lot more receptions with Alabama than there was at Georgia. So never, that's, that's definitely what he's doing. Never too early to go ahead and start the look at the 2023 recruiting cycle on the football side of things. And man, just looks to be another stellar year in state in Alabama for prospects and wanted to ask you about the race for the top overall prospect in Alabama for 2023. It looks like you got some choices and with an emphasis on defense, I would say maybe more so than anything else, but is that race tight Tim at this point for number one overall in Alabama, or do you think someone already has it sewn up? No, I think it's <clears throat> I think it's tight. You know, it come, could come down to dealer's choice on just what position you like and everything else. I mean, the guy for me that stands out. Now, there's a lot of them, so this could change the next time we talk. I really like Rousseau from Carver and uh, the Montgomery area. Uh, edge guy can play linebacker. He reminds me similar to Jihad Campbell. You know, I love Jihad Campbell. Guy's gonna. Start out inside backer Alabama can play on the edge. Big physical guy that moves around. Russell reminds me of that guy, but man, I'm telling you, I see a lot of Peter Woods and Tony Mitchell at Thompson High School. They're definitely in the discussion. You know, Peter's, you know, uh, you know, defensive lineman. Tony's a cornerback. Both of them are at the top of their game there. Um, uh, James Smith, who's from uh, Carver, who's another kid from Montgomery. Same thing with with, with him. Jahil Jahil. Early, Hurley, that's going to get me all year, I can tell. He's another guy, big athlete that can run, can really project on either side of the ball, though he's going to end up on defense from Florence. And then, you know, Tamarian Parker. I'm just looking down this list. Tamarian Parker, defensive lineman from Central Phoenix. And Christopher Vizana is a guy who absolutely isn't getting enough credit, mainly because the defensive guys are so good in this state. Any any other time, this Broward Christian quarterback would be the main – you know, would be the main guy we're talking about in state, in my opinion. But the defensive class is loaded. You know, you got Alabama fans talking about Arch Manning and the kid from out, out California they call Nico. So Christopher probably hasn't got enough discussion, but he's another pretty pretty high level prospect as well. So much to like, Kel, you know, Kelby Collins, big upside guys like Keldrick Falk, a big guy who I think could possibly be a tight end. It's uh. It's loaded. It's as good defense. <laughs> it's by far the best defensively I've ever seen. Wow. Um, and and I think I'd have to go back, but I think it's the best class I've ever covered. Wow. Overall. 
Yeah, I mean, it's still early. I mean, but there's, you know, there's so many guys down here, Hunter Osborne and guys down at the bottom, Michael Derry, who's committed to Georgia. I mean, there's so many guys here. Uh, Pierre, the kid from follow. we got a kid ranked 21st who we're comparing to Courtney Upshaw. I mean, that's absurd. (laughs) That's absurd to think about. So a lot of these guys still have to go to camp. Uh, you know, I say that with a with a with a pause of they got to go to camp, we got to get measurements, we got to get times and all that. But their film, you know, their film around Christmas, I fell in a rabbit hole with these guys. Their film, their seeing their junior film is you know is fantastic for these dudes. So when we talk about attrition for this Alabama football team moving forward, between transfers, NFL decisions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, What's the most surprising departure for UA, in your opinion, since the end of last season? Was it Slade Bolden? Was it uh, maybe Christian Harris? Was it maybe Jalen Armour Davis? Who do you got at the top of that list? Disappointing to me. I don't know if this really answers your question. I was really disappointed Marcus Banks didn't finish out the year. I thought that, you know, I mean, I get, you know, the feelings were involved and, and, you know, he was ready to go, but I really think he had a chance. You know, I said one thing about the transfer rule. I really think they need to make the kids finish the season because Banks would have had film and it could have been filmed to get him to any school in the country as opposed to, you know, not a lot of film because he certainly had, you know, playing time opportunity later on. Um, I really would have liked to got a look at him just to see what he could do. Uh, he's one. Slade does, you know, it doesn't really surprise me, surprise me, Armour Davis. You know, they told me he has a he has a child and, and that that would factor in. Had a great year. He's definitely going to be a drafted guy and expected to stick. So that doesn't just shock me that he went pro Slade. You know, sometimes you're just ready to go on with your life. You know, you're just ready to <clears throat> you're ready to go. I mean, I was glad you know to see John Battle come back. There's a few guys that second round picks that I thought you know usually you see those guys that are those second or third round picks, the Christian Harris's and, and such, and he still got a way to possibly plays himself in the in the first round but you usually see those guys come back to Alabama and you know take a shot at increasing increase in their stock you know um so I was a little surprised by all the guys you know that that went you know Christian might have improved his stock a little bit but nothing shocked me really I mean these were a lot of a lot of guys that you kind of expected to go pro yeah I, I would say if you really looked at it in terms of pleasant surprises and the other kind yeah, getting Jordan Battle back, getting Henry Toa Toa back, getting Jalen Moody to to come back out of the portal. I I think Alabama ended up probably on the plus side of that. What about you? I agree. I mean, you had the three portals. You know, I'm you know I'm yeah. telling people like you can rank any high school prospect a five star, but what do you rank guys that are proven college players? I mean, what do you rank Burton, Ricks, or Gibbs? I mean, if, you know, I mean those guys have did it at the college level. They're used to the they're acclimated to the college, you know, the, the college football and the academic side of everything. I mean, I don't know what you rank those guys. It's got to be pretty, pretty high. <laughs> you got yeah. a lot of stars at those guys too. So get some guys to come back, add depth and obviously talent and leadership's a big deal with, you know, with Henry and battle. And, um, you know, and I was told battle was a second, was a second day guy. He was going to go in the second round. Wow. Uh, had been, definitely had the last four third of the year and really had a, uh, impressive year from the NFL guys I talked to. So yes, to get him back is uh, definitely a good deal. Yeah, between your signing class, your transfer portal uh, arrivals, and your retention, uh, th- that would be a cool way to to sort of see 
uh, a recruiting class ranked account retention that among legitimate guys who had decisions to make like Jordan battle, like Henry Toa Toa, and then kind of factor that towards the, the next season. Speaking of decisions to make and guys that are moving on to the NFL on the heels of senior bowl week, Tim Federian Mathis, the defensive lineman, Brian Robinson down in mobile last week for that annual event. You had LeBron Ray at the East West shrine game, uh, out West. How many first rounders are you seeing for Alabama coming up in April right now at this point in the process, understanding we still have combine understanding. We still have pro days right now. What's your projection? What number strikes you as the most likely possibility? I think two for sure. I mean, I'd be mm-hmm. surprised if Javis Williams fell out of the first round with that speed because of injury. I mean, people are coming back from that injury on the regular. Um, he's going to be, you know, Evan Neal's obviously, you know, in discussion for number one. I'm curious to see what the Jaguars do. There's some discussion that he might be more of an interior offensive lineman. We saw Alex Leatherwood move inside with the Raiders, and he's a lot better than he was sitting out on that edge. And, um, you know, it's possible Evan can make that same move. Big old guy. Uh, you know, I've seen him mocked as high as number one. Most have him in the top five. I think he's a no-brainer uh, early pick for a guy that, that needs an offensive tackle. I mean, the Jags probably want to protect Trevor. You know, I think that a lot of teams, you, you know, need to protect their quarterback better. But then again, the Bengals are like, screw it, give me Jamar Chase. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the Super Bowl. So, you know, they're – you know, there's a there's a hit or miss, you know, factor to that. I mean, you want to get there. So, obviously, Trevor could use some talent um, around him either way. But then Jamison, he's just a fast guy. I mean, he's a burner. I mean, what he did, I mean, he, he had some elite-type speed. And I just think the NFL is all about that. We've seen bad football players drafted high. We've seen that can run fast. We've seen them way overdrafted because they were fast. We've seen them go from the third round to the first round because they were fast, especially wide receivers. Well, Williams is actually good. I mean, he's good. I mean, he he he's a hard worker. He's going to check all the boxes when they when he's interviewed. Alabama's going to sign off on him, and he did all those little things and very competitive. You know, there's talk he's trying to come back in the national championship game and all that stuff. So he's going to check the box. Christian's a guy I'm most curious about. I think he could test well. His early half of the season, I did not think he had very good film. His second half, I thought he did. I thought he. I thought he had really good film. He showed mm-hmm. kind of what we thought he was. Um, you know, flying to the ball. He's athletic. He's explosive. If you're looking for upside on a backer and inside backer, Christian's going to be your guy. You're going to like that guy. Although a lot of linebackers tend to fall in that second round. Um, it's a pretty good debate. I've seen, I've been involved with some good debates between him and Nicobe Dean. Um, you know, Christian's more ideally fit physically for the NFL, a higher pick. Nicobe obviously has every accolade and has all the film and he's going to test, you know, he's going to interview off the chart, really smart kid. So, you know, it's kind of going to be what you're looking for. You know, if you're looking for that upside guy, I think Christian's, you know, Christian could have a chance to sneak in down at the bottom of the first. Yeah, Jordan Reed is a good follow on Twitter. Longtime NFL draft analyst, recently joined NF, uh, ESPN's coverage with Kuiper and McShay. He had two Alabama players in his latest uh, first round mock. He had Evan Neal, number one overall, to the Jags. Um, and then he had Jamison Williams, I think it was 30th, to the Kansas City Chiefs. How about Jamison yeah, that's what they with need. that speed and that offense? That's what my and, uh, 
I think he had four overall in his in his top two rounds. He had Christian Harris mid second, and then uh, John Bat uh, uh, John Mechie later in the second round. I think Mathis might sneak in there. His, he could. He, he's kind of the wild card, isn't he? You know, in terms of where he might go. We've seen some good value second round yeah. guys. We've seen uh, uh, Ashawn Robinson. Uh, we've seen uh, Christian Barmore's in the second. Probably should have mm-hmm. been first. We saw uh, what was the kids? Tomlinson was another one that was Alvin. Yeah, another one that came. I can draw a blank of his name that went to Seattle. That uh, was a second. Darren Reed. Darren Reed. I mean, there's been, Darren Reed, and most recently with the Chiefs. So yeah. Yeah, there's some guys that fit this mold for Mathis. He's a big guy. You know, he's gonna, you know he's going to test fairly well um, for a defensive tackle, and his size was really was really good with the NFL stuff. So he could be a guy we're watching that second day. Let's switch gears. Let's talk some Alabama men's basketball. The Crimson Tide coming off an 0-2 week, a really brutal three-game stretch of top five opponents from Baylor to the road trip to Auburn to most recently the home loss last Saturday night to the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, When you look at this Alabama team in 2021-2022, especially as things have sort of, I wouldn't say come off the rails completely for Nate Oates' team, but certainly consistency has been a problem, uh, specifically inconsistency for Alabama. When you look at this team right now, Tim, who or what do you think it's missing right now? You know, I just think it misses leadership. You know, you don't, you know, you saw, I think it's a mixed bag. Last year we saw so much leadership for Alabama. You know, there's just so much, so many guys willing to step up and do the little things and, and all of that. This year you just don't see quite as many. It's a little bit of a younger team. You know, to me, what's missing the most is talent. I mean, this team very well could have had Primo and then Burnett. I mean, you had those guys to yeah. the team, you know, obviously Primo, you know, played his way in there, which, you know, at the end, at the end, wasn't very surprising. But most of the year, most people expected to have him back. But I just don't think it's a super talented team. I mean, they don't shoot the ball particularly well. You know, if you're gonna live and die by the three, that saying's literally, <laughs> it's as literally, yeah, it's, it's, it's fifty percent of it, right? It's yeah. literally, yes, it's literally exactly what it means. You're gonna live or die by the three. So when you're three for twenty nine, you're definitely gonna die by the three. So they don't shoot the ball particularly well. A little bit loose with the ball. Um, I mean, you know, the thing about this team is really confusing. Not, you know, for almost every game, they're competitive. You know, win, lose, or draw, they're competitive. They weren't competitive the second half, you know, against Auburn. Kentucky weren't as competitive. But I thought they competed well. I thought they defended well. But almost every game, they're in every game, even their losses. So they're definitely competitive, and they try. I just don't think it's a super talented team. I don't know. I mean, you have a team that's lost to Georgia and a team that, that, that beat Gonzaga. I mean, that's about as broad of a spectrum and this year's NCAA as you can get. You know, I still I don't I know you don't work in this. I don't see why JD Davidson's not a little more aggressive. He seems very passive. Um almost like he's accepted a role as the third or fourth option. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he he you know, he's talent. He's got talent. He can shoot. He's got to get to the, get to the basket. He's got to have maybe a lack a little bit of confidence or or whatever that is. But you just don't see it gel. And by the end of the day, I just I think it's just not as talented as a team. I think last year's team was great, uh, especially you know I mean we started this season with people thinking Alabama was a better basketball team this year with Herb. Jones. I saw the debate with Herb Jones gone. Herb Jones is oh yeah 
He's yeah, kicking. there was actually some of that out there. Yes, he's kicking ass in the NBA. I watch the Pelicans almost every night. He's a very good player. Um, and he's a leader, you know, as a rookie in the NBA as far as, as maturity. So they lost that level. You know, you lost Petty. You know, that was a that was a guy that had a lot of experience. And you obviously lost Primo, a young, talented guy. So I just think this team, you know, you you look a little bit, you know, maybe you could have used the portal a little bit better. Uh, maybe live and learn from the portal. You know, obviously Bruce Pearl did a good job and some other teams did a good job of, of living in that portal. And um, I think you'll see Nate Oates, you know, learn from it. You know, but then again, this should be an NCAA team with Alabama back-to-back for the first time in, I don't know, how long has it been, 15, 16, 17 years mm-hmm. that Alabama's been back-to-back tournaments. So it's not as consistent as the other games we've seen, other team, last year's team. But if they go back-to-back tournaments, I mean, I'm going to see that as a positive. And I'm as frustrated with the up-and-downs as anybody else. But I just, you know, I think this team is what it is. You know, it's a team that probably could go out and beat a lot of teams on any night. And then I think it's a team that if they're not focused – and I sort of resolved to myself to this pretty early on. If they're not focused, they can lose. I mean, they yeah. need focus when they go to Oxford. You know, you saw them against Georgia where they were, you know, up eight and two bad, you know, two bad turnovers and a, and a, and a bad shot, two easy layup, low blies, and a non-played three. There's a seven-point run from Georgia. It's a one-point game. Yep. I had a chance to push that game on up right there. They've got to value the ball. They've got to value possessions. They've got to be a blue-collar team. Yeah. It's their talent level. They got to be blue collar talent. Yeah, tying into what exactly you said, leadership, talent, and really, for lack of a better way of putting it, just an oh shit guy when things start to go sideways, right? Like yeah. a Colin Sexton, when you had to have a bucket or you got down inside ten on the shot clock, you knew Colin Sexton could could get you an opportunity to score the basketball, or if you needed a stop. In the last couple of years, certainly Herb Jones was going to, you know, give you that ability to do that. So let's talk about J.D. Davison a little bit because you mentioned him. Does he still project as a one and done in your opinion? Maybe, you know, we 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 get so caught up in 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 inconsistency with some of these young players from time to time that we forget that the NBA, the NFL they're all about projections, big picture projections. Just look at Josh Primo last year going in the lottery to the San Antonio Spurs. Can you still see a similar type of path for J.D. Davison in this time around? I mean, yeah, I mean, you can because you have, um, you know, as they say, it only takes one team to make you a first rounder, you know, one team to fall in love with you at a workout. Uh, I think that was similar to what happened to Primo, although I think it was more than one team. I just think his workouts, his bouncy, his length, his you know his ability to shoot. He's had some good NBA games. Kid's only like 18 years old or something, maybe just turned 19, very young guy. So JD has that. He certainly doesn't have like the games, you know, the consistency. I mean, you can look. I mean, if if you're a guy that says, "Hey, let's watch JD Davis," and you pop in film on uh, Gonzaga, you probably are going to look at him heavy in the first round. That's not what the NBA is going to do. They should be looking at the whole season but more important they're going to look at him one-on-one at these camps and stuff that's really where they're going to make their judgments same thing with primo he just you know his athleticism how bouncy he was he was long his shot was on display at those you know those workouts that's really where he rose up but you know with jd i mean he's a guy like with primo i felt primo 
sort of mentally had that pro mindset. JD, I think college might be, you know, good for him one more year. And if you add JD to the talent coming in next year, if you can blend those guys together, you've got a really talented team. JD could actually be the, you know, the the the, the elder in that group. You know, that young, I mean, he would be the guy that fits in with how highly ranked this class is and um, how talented this class is. He could fit in with them and actually kind of be like, you know, one big super class with, with talent wise. So, you know, you never know. I mean, it's money. A team could go out there. I personally, I think, you know, when Primo wasn't shocked, he went pro. We, you know, he was injured a lot. We missed a lot of primetime Primo, um, you know, with injuries and the, you know, the COVID and that weird season and all. But with JD, I would, I would think, look, coming back is at least an option he's going to look at. But then again, it's all going to come down to the workouts. He could be awful in the workouts, and they say, you know, you're not, you're, you're not going in the first. So he just has to decide: is he ready to pay for play? Uh, play for pay or you know he might they he might kill it they're, they're telling him he's a lottery choice but me right now based on the body of work i don't think he's a first i don't think he's a lottery pick yeah and if he even if he were i think a development path or route similar to what we've seen with primo even some time down in the g league initially you know to help with that might be a scenario that you could envision thing, with jd davison thing that's helping with primo and a lot of these rookies is COVID. So you have so many guys at first being sat down. I mean, Primo got pulled up because the Spurs had a short roster because of that. That's not normal NBA though. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in the past, he probably would have spent the whole year in the G League. So he's been fortunate. Had some good games. Had a had a had a stinker of a game the other day. But overall, he's had some. Uh, you know, he's had he's had some, some some good moments in the NBA. But you know, I still think JB Davis is a heck of a player. I think potentially. Excuse me. I'd just like to see him a little bit more aggressive. We have Super Bowl Sunday upon us. I guess this is the latest we've ever had a Super Bowl, right? With the 17 game schedule going into effect. I mean, we're talking mid February, Tim. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't understand. This is ridiculous. Has it affected your excitometer level uh, with it being this late? Or are you pretty fired up for the Bengals and the Rams from SoFi on Sunday? Look, I'm not. I'm not normal. I mean, I love. <laughs> You're not. Uh, I mean, I love like wow. when it comes to sports. I'm. I'm. I'm different. I mean, I love. You know. You know how I love the Korean baseball league. If it's on, I'm watching it. If they're playing the Pro Bowl, I'm dumb enough to be watching it. If they're playing the Senior Bowl, I'm excited because it's football or sports. I like to watch the competition. So I'm, I'm. I'm excited about the Super Bowl. I just hate it's so late. You know, it pisses me off. We're playing this game in February. Pisses me off that the national championship games at, you know, at boomer level midnight on Monday night. I still pisses me off. It's eight o'clock, you know, seven or eight o'clock. That game goes to midnight on a Monday, the national championship game. So um, I hate it's this late, but I'm excited. I mean, the Bengals are fun. There's a lot of guys we're familiar with in the SEC. Guys, we uh, we uh, we saw Alabama play against two SEC quarterbacks in the game. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited to see Stafford. You know, I, you, Stafford was a guy sort of lost in Detroit. Uh, it's kind of weird to see this game. You know, I don't I don't really have anybody I want to root for, uh, which I, which I like. But I mean, I'm excited to see it. It wasn't really Super Bowl. I think a lot of people expected, but it's a good team. You've added, you know, you've had you seen the you know, the Rams are all in. They don't have a draft pick till 2072. So, 20, yeah, 2172. So they've got 
you know, Odell, they've added Stafford. I mean, I'm excited about the game. I mean, they'll take 10 hours to kick it off. And, you know, I won't like the Super Bowl stuff and all that, but I like the game. Clock is ticking on the Major League Baseball season, Tim. I believe we're at a point where pitchers and catchers supposed to report, but with this lockout, what's your optimism level? for a major league baseball season that isn't altered by the stoppage potential you know, I, stoppage, I guess I'm guessing it's going to be a shortened season. You know, baseball is like the sport. They just like begging us to quit them. You know, it's like I know. they do everything. They have more controversy in baseball. They have stoppages. They have threatened stoppages. They have a million Things going on. You have PDs. You have cheating. You have you know bang the drunk. You know bang the garbage can and everything else. They just constantly try to get people to not like them. Um, I was I was excited for this season. I had a great time last season. Obviously, as a Braves fan, but it wasn't just being a Braves fan. <clears throat> the last two seasons were fun for me. I like seeing <clears throat> the young guys with Acuna and Tatis and a lot of the the young talent stepping up. And then you saw the older guys like Freddie Freeman and them, you know, you know, you know, kicking in high gear in the middle of their career. I really enjoyed uh, baseball, but man, they, they, they make you work. You know, they make you, it's like that scene. You ever seen that movie uh, fever pitch with uh, Jimmy Fallon? Oh yeah. Remember that little kid said, you know, you, you know, I'll paraphrase. He said, you love the Red Sox, but have they ever loved you back? I feel like that about baseball. I'm just waiting for my wife to go, you love baseball, but has it ever loved you back? I just feel like that. Like, no, they, they do everything they can to piss me off. They so, do, and they, they do a, everything I, that flies directly in the relatability of their fan base when it I, comes to the financials, too. In everything. They don't, like, hype their players. Mike Trout is a uh, uh, is a monster Hall of Fame player, and they don't do anything with the guy. There's no, like, highlight. I mean, Mike Trout is just quietly sitting out in California with one-tenth of the people talking about him. If he was a soccer star in Europe, Mike Trout would have 10 million, you know, 100 million, 200 million Facebook followers. Baseball is just such a quiet sport. And then if you flip a bat, they try to hit you in the head, you know? Yeah. No doubt about it. I think hey, looking at, my mind is we're looking at a shortened season, so I'm not disappointed. Still secretly hope it's a normal season, but I just I don't see it. They don't I mean they didn't even, they wouldn't even agree to talk the other day, would they? No. They just no. said I mean when you say, Hey, let's talk and they go, Nah, we're good, that's not <laughs> That's like if a girlfriend's mad at you, so let's talk. She said, No, we don't need to talk. You know, it's perfect. Yeah. Nothing good speaking of uh speaking of girlfriends, we got Valentine's Day coming up. And not that we have girlfriends. We both have been happily married for multiple decades at this point, Tim, to Heathers, both of us to Heathers. We love you, Heathers. Yeah, we, we've got our Heathers that we, we cherish. That That's not a statement on any of that. But I wanted to ask you about your candy holiday power rankings. And when I think of candy holidays, you tell me if you've got anything to add to this list. But certainly Valentine's coming up. Uh, Easter big uh candy holiday with the easter baskets uh halloween obviously uh and then christmas with the stockings give me the uh tim watts candy holiday power rankings if you consider those four maybe you've got another one or two you want to throw in the mix i mean for me it's always halloween you know they i'm a pro they can't fool me with that old grab bag which pulls the stuff i don't want um you know we we go to the specific bags I'm, that's that's going to be by far my biggest weakness 
Valentine's Day is probably the least favorite. Well, I don't know. You know, I guess if you include cupcakes, it's definitely my least favorite because Halloween, I mean, Thanksgiving has really good cakes. You right. Know, carrot cake's grown on me as I got older. Christmas, my main thing is that bark. I think your wife sent me some. Oh, yeah, that dark chocolate or chocolate. Chocolate yeah. bark, that, that stuff's really good. Uh, so Halloween's the hands-down winner for me. Valentine's Day's the lowest. I'm not a chocolate guy. Um I'll eat it, but it's not really, you know, it's not really, to me, chocolate's not really candy. That's dessert. <laughs> to me. I eat it around my damn house like it's candy. I can promise you that. But it, a lot of times you would think with the wife and Peterbrook, I'd have this sort of surplus, you know, a chocolate just laying around the house. I don't. But when it is around, I eat the hell out of it. But I, I am a chocolate guy. I know what you're saying. If you're if you're not a chocolate guy, then to me, Val, uh, Halloween is the, the obvious choice yeah. you know sour guy i'm, I'm a root canal guy so exactly can, you're an endodontist guy i need something that could, could tear my teeth up so what know? about uh easter christmas and no particular order there in the middle of those four easter christmas i like christmas the christmas part for sure there's some good stuff there easter's good you know a lot of jelly beans that's when you know the for me growing up, us growing up, jelly beans were just jelly beans. But now they got nerd jelly beans, sweet tart jelly beans. They started mixing your favorite and changing the shit. What was the company that came along that really has changed the game for jelly beans? I forget the name of them now, but you're right. They've got, you know, the the specific flavors. I mean, the first time I had like buttered popcorn jelly beans, it just rocked my world, you know. Yeah, you grab a handful, and there's a mixture in there, too. So, yeah, it mm-hmm. changes it. Funny, all the candies I like are the same candies. They're just in a different shape. Yeah. They're, they're, they're just in a different bag. So uh, I am a fan of Easter candy because that's that's usually pretty good. That's more my style, less chocolate. Um, so that would be more of my alley. Yeah, I got to have Valentine's at the top of the list. I mean, unless I want to – you know, we talked about being happily married. I want to stay that way. So – uh, they're all important to Peterbrook, but man, coming up next uh, Monday, it'll be unlike anything you've ever seen around that little shop. Crazy the cho- the chocolate dip strawberries, you know, those are the big thing on on Valentine's. But uh, yeah, that stuff is absolutely amazing. Good stuff. And so let's get into some Netflix and or stream updates from Tim Watts. What you've been watching of late? I got a couple of shows. What about Ozark? Have you watched? Did you did you consume Ozark the latest season? If so, what were your thoughts? We did. I like it. You know, I like the build up where it's setting up to go. I keep, you know, it's getting hard for me. The you know, Roots turned into the Beth on Yellowstone. You know, like yes, somebody, yeah. Somebody. I mean, by now, somebody has just absolutely. She's, she's mixing in with too many types, right? I mean, so she's like five foot eighty-seven pounds and talking to everybody. <laughs> the way, and those aren't some normal people. That's not your average Walmart. They're not supposed to be. No, yeah. these are some rough. These are some ruffians that she's messing with. But I like the cast. I like the way it's set up. I like the way it's building up. I knew it was going to be a two-part finale, so I've been. I was a little bit more patient. Right. Uh, with it, but I like it. I mean, it's a it's a good show. I mean, Bateman's so good, and just about everything. He's he great, does. man. The yeah. Marty character, it's not as volatile as certainly Ruth and others on the program, but I love it because it's just amazing with everything going on. This guy acts like you know he's uh, in it's the pocket happy. against a seven man blitz at he's all times, just dealing with it. You know, his yeah. fate. 
no big deal. He's just, I mean, it's, I mean, just his calmness is. Which no one in real life would be able to maintain that in his I, situation. I, 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 I'm, the, I'm the total opposite. I, I certainly <laughs> to see that. You know, I'll tell you one show that's great. Every dude should watch this show. Every guy should watch the show. My wife liked it, so the wives would probably watch it. But that Reacher on Amazon Prime. Reacher? Uh, Reacher, R-E-A-C-H-E-R. Yeah. Dude, it's uh, it's kind of funny. You know, Cruz did a movie on it, and, you know, he's 5'7", five, 5'8", five, or whatever. But the character in the book is a monster. I mean, he's a big NFL defensive end type athletic guy. And uh, this character that they did, I mean, it's pretty easy watch. It'll It's a... It's a classic guys show. I mean, it's a big dude wrecking shit, and, um, you know, battling and getting the girl and facing the bad guy. Really easy watch. Breeze right through it. Um, that was a good one. So that's something I've been watching lately. I don't know if you've seen the Tindler Swindler on Netflix, the documentary of the guy in it, Europe. It was great. You did see it. No, I haven't seen it. Shay told me it's great. And I made oh, my it. goodness. It scares the hell out of you if you've got daughters, first and foremost. But, yeah, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it is a documentary. It is based on the Tinder app and dating and today's way of going about that and the pitfalls that can be associated with that approach when it comes to frauds and frauds to the extent that can end up costing people a quarter million dollars or more. Yeah, you need to check that out. It becomes Jay a little bit me. redundant, but it is it's fascinating to see how it all plays out. Jay, it's funny. I made fun of it. Now I'm going to end up watching it. But Jay, well, Jay it, it, yeah, it's yeah. more of his, you know, where he's at than where we're at, probably, or where he's been here re- more Jay, recently than we've been. I make fun of Shay because he falls victim to the Netflix top ten. And I keep thinking, movie can't come out in an hour and be number three in the nation. Well, the wife watched the Tindler Swindler first and and sold me on it. uh, The wife watched Tindler Swindler first and sold me on it, so I had to watch it. The title's fantastic, right? This guy's in private jets, staying in the best hotels, the best clothes. Oh, yeah. He had it going there for quite a while. Over in Europe. Hey, Tim, let's get into the roundtable mailbag as we put a wrap on the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Certainly appreciate, as always, the interaction there. When it comes to questions and comments from our subscribers at BamaOnline.com, we'll start with Bipolar Bear there, who asks, is a commitment to Alabama imminent for 2023 quarterback Nico and I want to make sure I get this right. Eo Maya from Downey, California, considered to be, along with Arch Manning, the top couple of quarterback prospects for 2023. What do we know about Nico right now, Tim? I think Alabama's in it. You know, it's going to be whether or not he leaves the West Coast to see how much Alabama's in it. I'm not aware of a, a, a commitment that's imminent. Uh, I saw some seven on seven photos, and he was wearing an Alabama towel. and his mom had an Alabama T-shirt. I don't think that necessarily means anything. I mean, it's not a bad sign, but we've seen kids wearing gloves of a certain school on Friday and commit to another school on Saturday. So um, I'm not aware of a commitment. I would surprise me if he committed early in one regard because, you know, California kids love their recruitment. 
But also, you know, quarterback dominoes will start falling at some point. I mean, we will see those dominoes start to fall where they start picking their schools and these guys, you know, pop pop off. So I'm not expecting anything, but that I mean that doesn't that doesn't completely rule it out. Let's get to JLR here in the round table mailbag. And JLR touches on a topic we hit on earlier with the coaching staff. And he wants to know our thoughts on Joe Cox as an addition to this Alabama staff from the University of Charlotte. I'll tell you what I like about Joe Cox. The guy's just 35 years old, and he's been in coaching less than 10 years right now between the high school ranks and then going to Colorado State with Mike Bobo as a GA, then as an on-the-field assistant, and then to South Carolina under Bobo as a wide receivers coach. Between 2013 and now, he has coached quarterbacks, he has coached wide receivers, he has coached tight ends, and he has called plays. Now, that was at the high school level. But for this early on in his career, in a little bit of time, uh, he's done a lot. I like his versatility, I guess is what I'm saying, Tim. I, I don't know as much about him as a recruiter. Maybe you do. I think maybe that's the area where Joe Cox is a little bit more of an unknown. Now, I don't know. I don't have. I haven't really learned a lot about him yet. I know he's a quarterback at uh, Georgia. I know Rusty Menzel, our Georgia publisher, knows him and speaks very highly of him. But I mean, the things you said on are the things you look for. Young guys, energetic, versatile. I can't imagine he'd be a guy. I mean, every coach at Alabama is going to work pretty hard on the recruiting trail because um, Saban's going to demand it. But the younger guys tend to really, especially ones trying to make a name, tend to really do a good job of getting out there and. He getting after it. So I think that's that energy that you're kind of looking for, um, you know, from that position and, and as a recruiter. I mean, the tight end coaches, you know, there's, you know, that you hear, you know, same with special teams. You know, there's been a variety of guys that have coached those positions at Alabama. More times it seemed like they're recruiters than anything else. Absolutely. So let's move on here in the mailbag. I think we're going to stick with, by the way, the coaching staff at Alabama. Uh, Saban 22 with a what if for Bill O'Brien, if Bill O'Brien were to leave for the NFL, potential replacements, what would that list sort of look like or who comes to mind anyway? I know it's, you know, it's a far reaching topic between, you know, some staff members you already have in place. And then, uh, the ties that Nick Saban has with coaches around college football and maybe as much as anything with Bill O'Brien this last time around. Uh, it just proved one more time you can't sort of compartmentalize a potential hire involving Nick Saban to just one area or sort of one network of people. He's wide open to a lot of different angles. Yeah, I've never had much luck. I mean, outside of Lane and Sark, where I had some inside information on them coming back and, and Lane being promoted, I've had the, the the offensive coordinator position just been very sporadic. You know, I mean, we've had ideas that could have been Loxley moving up. We've had ideas that could be guys in that back office that, you know, that just got promoted to offensive coordinator. But to me, I just, you know, it's hard for me to form a list of candidates without knowing who's going to be at, at Alabama. I mean, it sounds like there's a good chance he stays with that said, it'll probably, somebody's probably tweeting. he's leaving. <laughs> uh, but I have not heard he's leaving. I, you know, I would have thought it would have been done by now. And again, that's complete speculation. And, you know, especially Belichick, you know, he moves like Saban at his own pace, too. So um, I wouldn't, you know, I really wouldn't. I don't think I'm great 
when it comes to offensive coordinators. I think that's definitely something I've struggled with. But, um, you know, probably if I dug into it, I haven't even looked at it at this point. You know, we probably could come up with some guys. Yeah, I mean, if you just play the connect the dot game, you could look around at maybe some guys that would be interested in coming down from the NFL, uh, some guys that have had some success on the college level. Um, some guys with ties to Alabama, like a Freddie Kitchens or, you know, got, but, but more often than not to speak to your point, uh, just when you start connecting dots with Nick Saban, uh, he zigs when you kind of thought he was maybe going to zag there. So let's keep it moving in the mailbag here. Uh, Crimson law 77, maybe with the, the most important question in today's mailbag, our thoughts on the legitimacy of Puxatawney Phil as sort of a prognosticator when it comes to the imminent arrival of spring or the elongation of winter. What are your thoughts on Punnictoxy? I never say it right, Phil, or, or maybe it's just limited to the to the movie Groundhog Day. Yeah, I don't have a clue about that. I don't understand how that tradition happened. I don't <laughs> see who the hell said. You know what? I'm thinking. You know, I think this guy's going to be able to tell us. Um, this wrote it. Yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea, to be honest with you. I know that it's a great movie, Groundhog's Day. I'd never heard of Phil before then. I don't know if I've ever heard of Phil without the reference to Groundhog's Day. Uh, but I don't trust Phil worth the crap. I'm going to be honest. No, it's it's a it's a cute little tradition. That's all it is. It's a it's also a way for a, a small town to kind of be celebrated and probably uh, goes a long way to beer sales in uh that area on that particular day um let's talk about jared burns here in the roundtable mailbag uh he wants to know your favorite 2023 recruit not from the state of alabama i haven't really dug as deep in this class as i will um a couple guys i love their film though was uh jonel aguero the kid from massachusetts that visited alabama uh, safety, uh, love his film. What I saw of him and Caleb Downs is two guys. I was going through safeties a little bit the other day because Alabama got <clears throat> the 2023 uh, Elliott Washington commitment, and uh, I think he projects more as a star. But I was going through safeties and looking at him. But Caleb was another one that stood out. Just fun football players. Doesn't really, you know. They, I mean, Alabama's involved. I'm not saying Alabama's getting them, but just fun players to watch. I really like them. Also, I'm a huge fan of the Nico kid, the quarterback. I think upside-wise, you know, I don't know if I'll take heat for this or not. I think he's better than Arch Manning from an upside standpoint. Um, not saying he's six, better. 6'6", six, yeah. He's a big kid, man. He is athletic. He throws, you know, good football. It's an easy flip. I just think that he's still got some, you know, some improvements to do with Arch, who I think is a really good football player. But Arch has been getting trained at that highest level the whole time. So I think you're getting a polished Trevor Lawrence type talent you know a guy that's pretty you know pretty much we know what he is when he gets there with nico i think you know i think there's a little bit more upside there nicole's harbor steve wiltfong gave us an update i noticed on the round table at BamaOnline.com. this kid looks to be a freak from the dc area tim six five six six two twenty five ran the fourth fastest 200 in the united states on the high school level here in the last year um, obviously I guess more of an athlete prospect, but I guess he's another guy that, uh, we'll be keeping an eye on as much as anything, because we know Alabama has drawn on the DC area for quite a bit of recruiting success in the past. 
There we go. Hey, let's talk uh, Dr. Back. Uh, he wants maybe a rough prediction, Tim, on how many in-state players Alabama will sign uh, for the 2023 class. I guess you kind of touched on this earlier and going through the list of just potential top overall prospect title for the so, state of Alabama. That that spoke to that number, I guess. Over and under at eight. Eight, Okay. I'm going to put that over and under at eight with that changing, possibly changing considerably based on camps and all that stuff. But there's a lot of guys in this state that are going to be, um, you know, at first glance are going to be SEC level. So, and, you know, Alabama's going to get their top guys in state if they can. Let's get into this one. Which recruits from the 2022 signing class, not transfers, will make an early impact for Alabama's next football team, which one of these guys do you think could end up on the two deep? That comes from Bama Man 09 on the round table. I got a feeling you're going to maybe mention Jihad Campbell in this mix. Maybe? Yeah, I like Jihad. I think he's going to be a guy. Jeremiah Alexander is going to be tough to keep off the field. I tell you, the one guy I'm going to be disappointed if he doesn't is uh, Aaron Anderson. Yeah. I think. Yep. You know, JoJo Earl was a guy we liked last year, a little bit similar player. Uh, JoJo really didn't have the year we expected. He also enrolled late. Well, Anderson's here early. He's on campus, ready to go, polished route runner, quick, you know, got that top end speed, got all that little stuff, going to have a spring to go through it. And there's a huge opening, huge opening for him, especially at that slot receiver where he is going to compete with, I guess you went Burton on the inside if you wanted, but you're going to have guys like, Christian Leary, you know, who's going to be in his second year in the program. Earl, second year in the program. I think Aaron Anderson has a chance to come in and impact this uh, impact this team right away. Um, you know, I wouldn't rule out, you know, probably if I had to, like, pick a, uh, a long shot, I wouldn't, you know, I think Tyler Booker might be a guy we're going to hear. Yeah. Now, it might be harder to actually get on the field as a true freshman, obviously. But I think he's going to be a guy we're going to hear a little bit about. I think people are going to talk about him, a big guy, teammates, IMG teammate with Tyler Booker, I mean with Jihad Campbell. Again, that's like my long shot because he is an offensive lineman. But I I think you're going to see this guy coming in, coming in early, super competitive, moving to the inside. I think you're going to hear his name on that too deep. Yeah, and whereas you look at the interior of the Alabama offensive line, you see Javion Cohen coming back, you see Emil Ekior coming back. At the guard spots, you know, there is the possibility for them to maybe look at Javion Cohen at tackle. If they have that type of quality inside, that gives them maybe some flexibility for another area where there's great uncertainty. That, of course, being those two offensive tackle spots. And you always like the early enrollees, and we've seen it with early enrollee offensive linemen in the past, certainly, uh, where those positions are concerned up front, yeah, Campbell, I'm with you. Looks really good. Uh, you think Ty Simpson is yep. the two-deep guy at quarterback in 2022, or is Jalen Milrow, you think, still going to have a chance to be yeah. that guy? Milrow's going to have that extra year in the program. I always think that helps. That's always a huge advantage. Tyler's, a, you know, his dad's a college coach, so he's going to come in. You know, he's rolling early, so he's going to be prepared mentally. I think that could be one of the most interesting battles next year. You know, I think with you look at those guys and could a little bit conflicting styles. Tyler's a passer, although he can run. Jalen's a guy's probably a little bit better runner and a passer right now. 
very complimentary of each other. So that's, that would be a good battle to watch. If Elijah Pritchett was an early enrollee, would you have him more so on this list of impact freshmen? And even as a late enrollee, a summer enrollee, do you still think he has that opportunity? I think he's so raw that yeah. he's going to need a little seasoning. He's getting a little bigger, too, probably stronger. Yeah. But I'll tell you, his upside for an offensive lineman is fantastic. It's off the mm-hmm. chart. I mean, he's – but it is upside. I just think that raw – I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that he's – you know, that he's passed – uh, Latham or even Brockermeyer with this time under there, you know, Brockermeyer hopefully getting a good, healthy year out of him. Um, it'd be surprising if he's already passed guys like that to me, but I'm a huge fan. I mean, this is a big guy. Almost looks like a, almost looks like a tight end to me on some plays where he's getting down the field at that size. So big fan. I just think that he's probably, you know, especially on that edge. I feel like those edge guys need a little bit of seasoning. Alabama fans were spoiled by so many guys that stepped in, Cam Andre and some others that stepped in on the edge. But you really, you know, in hindsight, after this year, I think you really need to go back and appreciate how special those guys were who were able to do that so quickly. Yeah. Emmanuel Henderson may be a guy like that, too, at the running back position in that he is a summer enrollee. He does come from maybe a – smaller classification of high school football, maybe in some ways like even Sean Alexander back in the mid-90s. Sean put up the huge numbers in high school football in Kentucky and redshirted his first year on campus. And, uh, of course, we all know what he went on to do after that. Maybe Emmanuel Henderson is an immediate impact guy, but uh, different routes for different guys as long as they all get there uh, soon enough. uh, You appreciate what they bring to the table. I think with with Mandel Emanuel, it's going to a lot's going to depend on how the other guys are recovering from injuries. Obviously, Gibbs is going to step in. You know, healthy Gibbs is going to have a role right away, especially if the guy catches the ball out of the backfield. And experience running between the tackles on the college level, so a lot of that could factor in. Um, you know, I mean, we're, this is a year where we saw Deboyd Kennedy and Christian Leary at running back, so you, you never know. If I was Emanuel, I'd be preparing to play. No doubt. No doubt about it. Dioshi23 in the roundtable mailbag wants to know, if we had to say today, what would the starting offensive line for Alabama in 2022 look like? Dioshi, I'm going to go with a center and four guards at this point. Can you tell? That's uh, that's basically what I've got it down to. I don't know, Tim. I guess you start inside. We talked about Javion Cohen being back, Emil Echior being back. You had two centers that played pretty well throughout the 2021 season in Darian Dahlcourt, Seth McLaughlin. So you feel pretty good about the interior spots. But yeah, tackle is where the conversation really starts. And I think it's still too early to say Damian George can't be one of those guys. You certainly invested a lot into him in 2021. So I would expect that to continue through the offseason into spring. And beyond, and yeah, it's going to be time for a J.C. Latham to step up or a Tommy Brockermeyer to step up. And if that doesn't happen, that's when I think maybe you got to get creative once again with an interior player or a cross trainer at least and start trying to figure out ways to get that best five on the field together. You know, the guy I've heard the most about, who I've seen the least of, is Terrence Ferguson. Yeah, and I really, I really think this is a chance for him to step. I mean, I've heard nothing but good things. Both sides of the ball have talked about it. Very versatile guy. He's a guy in high school whose defensive clips were as good as his offensive clips, and uh, he's had that full year in the system. He's a guy that's going to be pushing to compete, compete 
George, I always thought Damian George would end up as an interior lineman. I never thought he would play on the edge. Big guy, heavy-footed, monster size. I will say in his defense, he went against some hella good defensive ends <laughs> against LSU and Auburn. You know, that was the difference, like, when you look and, you know, Georgia didn't have the same rush ends that other teams did. They had a great defense, but it wasn't really rush in base, especially when Adam Anderson got suspended, who was kind of their main guy there. But Auburn, right. they had a guy that could get around the edge. And LSU, they had a guy, NFL guys who were going to get around the edge who really pushed Georgia. It was a terrible matchup for him, especially learning, you know, <laughs> that is not the job you want to learn on, I guess I could say, uh, the best for him. So really tough matchups. And uh, uh, I do know that staff is pretty high on him going into this season. So maybe a little bit of experience and stuff. They've got some guys. I think at some point you just flip them around, rotate them, and figure out exactly what works best for you and go with it. But they've got athletes. They've got players. You know, again, I hope, you know, I hope Brockermeyer is extremely, you know, healthy this year and gets that full spring and everything in. I'd like to see him compete. Latham's another guy, Ferguson. Um, you know, again, Booker, as far as young guys who, you know, have a chance to get in there and, and, and at least push and make, you know, challenge somebody, you know, challenge somebody for a start job. And we'll wrap it up with Crimson D247. I like this one, too. He's like me. He wants to know what was the private, what is the private investigator in Ozark up to, Tim, in your opinion? And I don't know what that dude's doing. He's kind of creepy, though, isn't he? Yeah, I, I get the feeling he may be somehow cartel related. Bad attention vibes. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know, when, like, when he's around, when he's talking to people, I mean, he just seems like that's nothing yeah. to do this. Yeah. I'm already tired of him, too. But yeah. uh, it is a it is a pretty it is a storyline that'll keep you around for this back end of this deal, I guess, with the with the series Ozark. Tim, as always, enjoyed it. Ten questions and more. It turned out to be for Tim Watts on a Tuesday edition of the Bama Online Podcast. We thank you all for joining us here on the show. We always thank you for joining us at BamaOnline.com as well. A lot of great content up on the website right now, including Hank South with a prediction for Alabama's 2023 <laughs> signing class in February. Man, that is Man, that's some great stuff. Not, yes. Yes, and he also goes in-depth. Hank yeah. does with the quarterback position. Yeah. Very, very brave. I told him I was going to go in <laughs> and sit for a day. Then I was going to crystal ball every one of those guys to <laughs> just send the message board through the roof. Oh, Hank, with some great stuff, as always. Charlie Potter from a team perspective, Kirk McNair, Tim, Tim, myself. We do our very best to keep you covered at BamaOnline.com. Check us out right now. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Bama Online Podcast, wherever you consume podcasts. You're going to find the Bama Online Podcast. If you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would certainly appreciate that as well. Fun stuff, Tim. We'll do it again soon. I man. Appreciate it. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us right here on the Bama Online Podcast. Until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.